This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called Why You Need a Financial Co-Pilot. My guest today is Ryan Kimler. He's the founder of Net Profit CFO. Business owners hire Ryan to serve as their chief financial officer. Ryan helps them understand what is working in their business and what is not. He gives owners the tools they need to correct course and run a more successful and profitable business. Ryan Kimler, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to have you here. Now, when when we talk about CFO, chief financial officer, I think a lot of people think about big companies, big corporations, that sort of thing. And, you know, small businesses that are run by uh, founder owners are often not the kind of businesses that people think about as needing a CFO. The owner does it themselves. They might hire a bookkeeper. They might have an accountant looking at the books and doing tax returns, but they, they do it themselves. Why does that business owner need a CFO? Yeah, so I think it's first important to understand what what it is that a CFO does because I, I think sure. you're exactly right. You know, most business owners they think of the big companies, right? That's exactly spot on. So, you know, really a CFO's job, um, three parts. Number one, track revenue, profit, and cash flow. Mm -hmm. That's part number one. Um, then part number two is to really get into the financials and analyze the strengths and weaknesses of the business from mm -hmm. a numbers and financial perspective. And then part three, after we get the, an the analyzing done and we've looked at the numbers and we've kind of pinpointed probably a couple numbers that are really not working for the business, then part three is we propose corrective actions so that we can make changes for the future. So mm -hmm. a lot of the job is really strategic, forward-looking um, versus most of the accounting positions that you're going to hire, your bookkeeper, your accountant, your CPA that or, or non-CPA even that's doing your tax returns. All of those are positions that are compliance-focused mm -hmm. and always rear-looking, rear review mirror, if you will, right? Um, they're all they're only looking back at what's happened. And mm -hmm. you know, by the time that you're looking back at what's happened, if you're not looking forward, it's our it's too late to change. Yeah. Um yeah. yep. And I think I think a lot of business owners, you know, probably don't realize that they really can afford a part-time CFO. And that's probably why they don't have one. And they again just like you pointed out, really think the big companies, right? The Googles, the Coke, Coca-Cola, you know, right? Like all the big companies, they have a CFO. I don't really know what they do, but they it makes sense that they need one because they're such a big company, right? Yeah. 
And in reality, even a small business, small, you know, founder run business can really benefit from a CFO and seeing, you know, where their business is going. Yep. So you mentioned, you look at the numbers to see where the business is going. And if there are problems with the numbers, then you see opportunities for strategic and corrective action. What are some of the numbers that a good CFO is going to look at that maybe the business owner is missing, especially in a forward-looking way? Sure, absolutely. So I try to make the finances and the numbers really simple for small business owners because I know most of the time it's not their area of expertise. Totally get it, right? Probably, you know, whatever business owner is listening, if you're, you know, if you're a marketer, if you're a lawyer, if you're a dentist, you know, chiropractor, whatever you are, right? You have your specialty, you have your expertise, right? I definitely, you know, can't be doing dentistry, right? <laughs> so I try to make yep. it really, really simple. Um, but a few, you know, right off the top, you know, in the first part of tracking revenue, they should be looking at what's my invoice volume, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning how often am I making sales? What's the purchase frequency of my customers? So that's kind of a metric of really, um, you know, the two numbers I'm going to give you really speaks to velocity, but that's really, you know, a volume metric, right? And then the other one is, you know, what is my average invoice, right? So when I'm billing a customer for whatever service that I'm, you know, providing for them, on average, what are the dollars that they're paying me, right? And that really speaks to pricing. Mm -hmm. And when you combine those two together, um, you know, if you can kind of forecast forward your volume and your pricing, now you can really see how many sales are going to be coming into the business, right? Mm -hmm. So I think those two metrics are really important to be looking at. Um, and then, you know, if, if I was just narrowing this down to three, it would be those two, along with probably your payroll expenses, and really looking at those, and also forecasting forward, you know, if I continue to grow my business, when am I going to have to make that next hire? And what is it going to cost me? You know, all and, and when I say payroll, I'm talking all in, right? So I'm talking 401k, IRA, healthcare benefits, um, wages and taxes, even the dollars that it takes you to run payroll and have direct deposit. Okay. I want the whole thing, right? Everything that it costs you to run payroll, every dollar, um, we want to look at it, right? And really be tracking it because that's probably going to be your big, biggest expense in mm -hmm. most businesses. Yep. Um, and for most service-based businesses, you know, I always tell the owners that I'm working with, um, we want to keep payroll somewhere between 40 and 45% on the high end. And that's including the owner at a reasonable salary. Um, yep. So those three numbers, you know, just real simple look at it um, are three numbers that I am always looking at as a CFO, no matter what the business is. Yep. Um, but business owners should be looking at too. Yeah. Now you mentioned when you were talking about the overall payroll costs, that includes the owner. So you're the owner of a business. And you have to pay yourself. And, and that leads to something you and I talked about before we got on this call. And, and the idea of, you know, there, there's a theory in business financial management or a system called profit first. And you and I talked about how profit first can often be a problem for the business owner who wants to pay themselves. So talk to us about this. First of all, describe what the profit first approach is all about. It's, it's fairly common and widespread. Describe 
what it's about and why you feel as if it's not the ideal solution. Sure, absolutely. So Profit First really so is a book by Mike Michalowicz, right? And the idea really came from, I think it was his grandmother. She worked a part-time job and she ran kind of an envelope system, right? So she would bring her paycheck home, it'd be cash. And she had envelopes for all of her expenses that she would divide her money to, right? So as an example, mortgage, groceries, um, you know, utilities. And then I think she had like a rainy day fund or something like that. I don't think she had a car payment, but I don't, I don't remember exactly from the book, but she would divide it up, right? She would percentage it out and, and divide it up. And whenever she went grocery shopping, she would take the grocery envelope and that's what she had to spend, right? Um, so that's kind of where the system comes from. Well, then Mike McCallitz had a business that failed. And so he kind of came up with a system of, I need to design a system that's going to ensure that I, you know, using the envelope system that I have monies for profits and I have monies for to pay myself as an owner. And so that's kind of how the systems works, right? You set up owner's pay account, profit account, operating expenses, and then a taxes account, right? And then as revenue comes into your main account, you divide it out appropriately, right? And he kind of gives you the percentages in the book. Um, and I, I do think, you know, when you're a business owner starting out, yeah, there are some good things that I like about it, right? Like setting money aside for taxes. I always talk to my business owners about that. I think, you know, they're going to be due, right? You're not, you're not going to get around that, right? There's no ducking them, right? No. And so I think no matter where you're at in business, having a taxes account that you're moving money to and, and work with your tax repair on it and say, you know, look, based on my profits every month, how much of that as a percentage should I be putting into my tax account? I think that's a great thing, right? Because then- as an entrepreneur, March, April of the following year, you're not hit with a major tax bill and crap, where am I going to get this money from, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that is a good thing in the system, right? And, and I do think that for business owners with you know not so great money habits, I think that it can start you out on the right track. Um, now, the challenge is as an owner, so Mike built in, right? Obviously, of your revenue dollars, right? There's only 100% right? You don't bring in a dollar and you have a dollar 10, right? So there's only a hundred percent to allocate. So the challenge that I think Mike ran into and, and the challenge that I see with the system is as your business grows, right? So maybe from 200,000 to 500,000 to uh, 750, a million, right? Or in a million plus the brackets change, right? And, and Mike built in adding two operating expenses, which Somewhat makes sense because, you know, as the business gets larger, it's probably going to have more expenses, more payroll, that kind of thing. Right. The problem, though, is those those percentage points had to come from somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And the rev again, the revenue that's coming in is 100 percent. Those percentage, if you're increasing one category, you got to decrease another one. And the one that ends up being decreased is owner's pay. Mm hmm. Um, and, and by decrease, by increase and decrease, you mean as a percentage of total revenue? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Which then turns to dollars, right? Yeah. And and the the challenge with that is is that you know when you jump from one bracket to the next, right? So he kind of has set up these revenue brackets of you know if you're between here and here, here's your percentages, right? Then as the owner, because operating expenses has gone up you're kind of, you're forced to take a pay cut, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I think about is, okay, well, if you've gotten on the profit first system, it was really designed to help people that have bad money habits. Mm -hmm. How well as an owner, are you really going to handle a pay cut in your personal life? 
right? Mm -hmm. And then what does that turn into, right? And and when I say a pay cut, right, just as an example, you know, I've, I've looked at the system. I know these numbers off the top of my head. I'm also a numbers guy, right? Um, you know, if, if if you're on the profit first system and you jump in revenue from 490,000 a year in business to 510, okay, you jump a bracket because he's got it at, you know, there's a new bracket starting at a half a million dollars. Um, your pay cut there as an owner is about, if I remember right, it's about 50 or 60K a year. Um, so really, really significant, okay? Um, we're talking thousands of dollars a month at that point, right? And you know, my thing is, is who's really going to adjust their lifestyle thousands of dollars in a month when you surpass that revenue bracket? And most likely it's not gonna happen. So then what happens? You probably, as an owner, you probably accumulate personal debt, right? And and there again, is that really a good thing for a business owner? Probably not. And yeah. um, if the pay cut wasn't so extreme, I would probably be in more favor of the of the, of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that you don't catch up to your owner's pay until you get to about 750, 760,000. So we're not talking like, oh, I'll catch up when I hit 550. No, yeah. we're talking, you'll catch up when you hit 750, which is yeah. really you, you know, 50% growth on your business when you're a $500,000 business, which is yeah. huge, right? You're talking that could take years. Yeah. 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 So, you know, these numbers are hypothetical, but the, the, the rough principle makes sense to me. So what is a better approach? What What's different about the way that you approach the, the financial planning for the business owner? Yep. So if you're an S-Corp out there, like you said, you have to be on pay. Well, it's a you know, requirement that you pay yourself a reasonable salary. I would much rather see an owner. You know, I, again, I'm a numbers guy. One of the things that I did was I averaged out looking at every increment of $5,000 what is owners pay in the profit first system? Mm-hmm. Comes out to about $125,000, $130,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So what I would much rather see an owner do is let's set you up on a consistent payroll mm-hmm. that's flat, not going to change. I don't care if, if you're a $400,000 business today and we grow the thing to a million dollars, let's not change it. Mm-hmm. And then as the business does grow, and obviously, if, you know, if you're working with me, we're going to grow up profitably, right? I wouldn't tell you to grow your business and lose money. Then as the business does grow, you know, then if you want to start taking more distributions because of business growth and because of business success, mm-hmm. then we can do that. And that really works more as like a bonus, mm-hmm. right? And then you're not that way as an owner, you're not spending money that you don't have, mm-hmm. Right. You're you're sticking to your budget. You're sticking to the same lifestyle based on your you know based on your payroll. And then when you know when the business does well and we can pay out a bonus, you can do it with whatever you want, right? Go on right. vacation, put it away for a rainy day. Um, you know maybe you need to upgrade you know one of your personal vehicles. I mean whatever it is, right? Um, you know there's a lot of different avenues you can take with that, but that way you're staying within your means. And then when you get a nice bonus, it's a nice bonus. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So back to sort of the overall need for not flying alone. Yeah. SBA estimates that uh, 50% of small businesses fail within the first five years. Yeah. What are the big mistakes that those businesses are making? Why are so many small businesses 
failing. And then you also figure that of those that haven't failed, there's a measurable percentage that are still struggling and kind of muddling along. So what's going on with those businesses that are failing or struggling? Yeah. And I think the 50% is probably low, right? Um, So all of them that fail, they run out of cash. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and, you know, I really feel that a lot of the problem is probably not enough companies like mine that are CFO focused, that are working with small businesses that are really guiding business owners on the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. I look at most small business owners, you know, they got into business because they're good at a craft, because maybe they're good at sales, right? Numbers is not their thing, right? And there's, I think there's too many accountants out there that are going to the compliance world, which I understand there's tons of work there, right? But there's not enough on the CFO side that are helping business owners with numbers. Mm-hmm. And it starts with profit. But then, you know, after that, I think most business owners, you know, maybe don't have a full grasp on, there's a lot of transactions that happen after profits that take cash. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for the business owners that are working with me, at a minimum, I want to see 20 to 25% net profits. Mm-hmm. Meaning after all your bills are paid, right? That's at, that's at a minimum. Because after you, you know, have profits, you've got to pay taxes. That takes money after profits. Um, If the business has any assets, when I say an asset, I'm talking like a vehicle, maybe, you know, equipment, Mm -hmm. um, you know, could also be maybe maybe you're a a retail shop and you have to buy inventory. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything that's an asset, again, is another item that takes cash after profits. Mm -hmm. Um, And then debt, servicing debt also takes cash after profits. So if the business has loans, lines of credit, credit cards, any of those things, that the principle of that is cash after profits. The interest you get to expense, and that comes that's factored into your net income. Mm-hmm. But the all the principal payments um, are cash after profits, right? So you know a lot of business owners I don't think have a full grasp on. You could have a positive net income. And if you're servicing debt or you're buying assets, you could have a positive net income and negative cash flow. Right. Now, when I say cash flow, that's a huge concept, a huge concept. I I want you to repeat that, Ryan, and then elaborate. You were about to elaborate, but first repeat the idea because it's a huge idea. And I know business owners who have tanked businesses that have gone down because they didn't keep that idea straight. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, so you could have, so again, you could have positive profits or positive net income, net income, net profit, you know, they're interchangeable, right? You could have that, that could be a positive number, right? So for, as an example, let's say $10,000 for the year, positive net income. And then if you're servicing debt or buying assets, because that is a transaction that happens after profits that takes cash, you could have negative cash flow with positive profits. So an example of that would be, you know, $10,000 in net profit. And let's say you're servicing $12,000 in principal of debt. Well, if that's the case, you have a positive 10,000 minus 12,000. Now you have negative $2,000 in cash flow. Mm -hmm. 
Now, when I say cash flow, that's really what dictates, like if you were to look at your bank balance from last year, right, yep. of December 31st, 2022, and we're in the month of May, let's say, let's just say till April, look at your April statement, April 30th, 2023, the, when, I, when I say cash flow, I'm talking about the difference that's there in your bank balance, mm -hmm. right? So cash flow mm -hmm. encompasses everything, profits yep. do not, right? Yep. Yep. And, so, and yeah, it's such a critical idea. And, and, and so how do you get on top of cash flow? Yep. So with, for the business owners that I work with, usually, again, I'm going to step in and, and do an analysis and really see, you know, what items that take cash flow are you really using? Right. Mm -hmm. So as an example, you know, if you're a service-based business, um, Let's just take, let's take a law office, for example, right? Mm -hmm. They, they're probably not buying assets, right? Like there's no company vehicles, right? They're not like a, like a landscaper or construction company that has company vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. um, the only assets that they might buy would be like furniture for an office space, mm -hmm. right? Um, so if computer you're not really buying- Would computer equipment rate? It, yes, computer equipment could qualify if it was fairly expensive, right? So I think the IRS limit for writing it off as an expense is about twenty five hundred bucks. So if it was more than twenty five hundred, computer equipment would qualify. But the challenging thing with computer equipment, and this is kind of I just put on my tax hat for a second. This and that, and I'm not a tax expert, but the challenging thing with computer equipment is, you know, what is the useful life? You know, because when you're buying an asset, you know, it's depreciated and that's how right. they figure out how much is expense for tax purposes. What is really the useful life of computer equipment today? Yeah. Yep. Right. I mean, because, you know, how long does it really last and how long is it relevant? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, a truck, I think it's very clear if you're, you know, if you're a landscaper, you buy a truck. Yeah. We can expect to get five, six, seven years out of it, whatever. Right. However many mileage, whatever. Right. We're going to use it. We're going to, you know as long as we don't crash it or something like that, right? We're expecting to use it five, six years, but a computer, it's like, you know, how, how good is, how, how good is the technology today? Right. And how long is it going to last? That's a different question. So that could be tough. And I think you can make an argument for just writing off computers today. Right. Um, but aside from that, so, you know, if they're not buying assets, it's probably not something that I'm going to look at. Now, if they're using debt, maybe um, like, you know, maybe they're using debt to service case costs or something like that, right? That's a that's a factor. I'm going to put on the scoreboard, and we're going to look at it because it affects cash flow. If the partners are taking owners are taking distributions, mm -hmm. that's a factor I'm putting on the scoreboard because again, that affects cash flow. the The biggest, the biggest and best, or the best way to get on top of cash flow is you've really got to look at the factors that you're using, and that they yeah. come from the balance sheet, right? Um, but you really got to look at as a business owner, am I using debt? Am I buying assets? Do I have inventory, right? Mm -hmm. Am I taking owner's draws or am I paying another partner or anything like that? Or, you know, or do we distribute profits, right? All of those things kind of go into cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, and what's, what's, what makes it challenging though, is like, if you look at your balance sheet, it's not going to tell you how much cash you use. It's going to give you the balance of everything, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to find how much cash you've used, you got to have two balance sheets 
and you kind of have to subtract the two, right? And come up with the difference. Yeah. So it can be, you know, that's where I think, you know, that's where so many businesses fail because they just, you know, don't, there's so many owners don't understand that full process, right? Yep. And they don't understand, you know, I'm running my business, I'm adding more sales, I'm having more profits. And I look at my bank balance and it's not growing. Where is all the cash going, right? And that's the part that's not understood. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes when you don't have a model that works of, you know, producing profit and positive cash flow, you can really grow yourself out of a business. Yep. Yep. And you and, can grow yourself out of a business. That's such an interesting concept. And, and oftentimes things are humming along for those first one or two or three years. And then you grow to a point where you actually put yourself out of business. Explain or give us an example of that, Ryan. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of business, small businesses use debt to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and they're looking at the debt and maybe they you know have to buy a piece of equipment right to in order to get a return on it. Mm -hmm. the, the problem is, though, a lot of times or sometimes the the debt term is shorter than it takes them to get their full return back out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So they keep growing. Right. And they and they keep investing. Right. And then all of a sudden, eventually that debt's going to catch up with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And and if you know, if things are going along and going well, and then if you have a short dip, right, or a short downfall period, then all of a sudden, you know, not only do you not have enough profits, but you don't have cash flow to, to service the debt either. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, or sometimes adding the next person, right, and taking that risk on payroll, right? Right. Um, especially if you don't have a good model to start with, and you're not at 20 or 25% profits, if you're thinner, Mm -hmm. You're, you know, eight, 10% margins or even less hiring that next person. Now, all of a sudden you have a net loss mm -hmm. and the only, if you have a net loss op operationally from your business, really the only way to have positive cash flow would be to take on debt mm -hmm. of some sort, mm -hmm. right? Or, or have the owner contribute money, right? Which is not really a situation I, I I don't think any owner wants to get into. Most where, owners, yeah, most yeah, owners where don't you're, want to be in that, in that uh, situation. So uh, a, a question for you, business owner is listening or watching and they're yeah. thinking, okay, well, here's Ryan telling me I need a financial co-pilot and that requires an investment. And at the same time, he's telling me that at, at a certain point, your business reaches a point where you begin to need these investments the ROI doesn't follow quickly enough to service that investment or that debt. And that's when businesses get in trouble. So make a case for this investment for a second. Uh, number sure. one, tell us, tell us what uh, a, a business owner ought to anticipate as the investment for a part-time CFO and how quickly they can realize positive ROI. Sure. So the first thing I would say is, you know, your business does have to be of a certain size for it to make sense, right? If you're doing $100,000 or $200,000 a year, probably doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not going to be affordable and you're not going to get the ROI back out of it. But mm -hmm. if you're a business owner that's doing about a half a million dollars a year in revenue, um, that's where you're getting to the size where you're going to start seeing these financial challenges and really being on top of your numbers and bringing in an outside expertise can really pay dividends. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, I would say you're probably looking, you know, on a monthly basis, cost-wise or investment-wise, if you're a half a million dollar business, you're probably looking 1,500, somewhere in there, right? And as the business grows- Per month. Obviously, correct, per month, yep. 1,500 per month. Um, so, you know, 18K a year, right? Um, again, a fraction of what it would be to hire some a CFO in-house, right? CFO mm-hmm. in-house is just, that wouldn't even be doable at half a million, right? Yep. Because- you're, that's probably a $150,000 salary position, not to mention taxes and benefits and all that stuff. And I think 150 is probably on the low side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you're looking, you know, probably 18K a year, obviously as the business, if the business was bigger, a little more complex, it's going to take more hours to analyze, right? So I know for me, as a business gets closer to a million, you're probably looking 17, 52,000 a month, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. right? Just because again, bigger business, more complex, more hours on my end that it takes to really analyze and figure out what's going on, right? Yep, yep. Um, now, with that being said, right, um, I would say, you know, return-wise, very, very reasonable to expect three, four, five X return. Mm-hmm. Um, because once you kind of get in and figure out what number is really holding you back and what number really needs to be changed, it can have a big financial impact. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually, typically I show my clients, right? So typically, you know, maybe they're just as a quick example, maybe their payroll number is, you know, 20, $30,000 too high. I can show how that number works through all the way down to net profits and all the way down to net cash flow. So mm-hmm. for all of my clients, when we start meeting monthly, um, I will go through and show, hey, you know, I'm giving you these couple of objectives, right, to go get completed in the next 30 days of mm-hmm. on the items that need to be changed, right? I give my business owners an action plan. Um, if you get this done, right, if you and your team get this done, here's the financial impact. It's X dollars, right? Um, so it's very reasonable, you know, to expect pretty fairly quick returns, right? Two months in, three months in, you're going to have a return on what you're investing with a CFO, and they should be able to show you in dollars the impact that it's making. Yep, yep. Now, some business owners love the numbers. They know this stuff. They understand tracking cash flow. They can implement the strategies. Maybe they need some guidance, read a book, follow an expert like you and uh, online, whatever the case may be. And they say, you know what? I don't need to pay so much per month to have somebody do this. I can do this myself. Good idea. I would say no. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I think, I think an outside set of eyes is important, right? Yeah, what, um, what's the benefit for the business owner aside from just having that outside set of eyes that may catch things that the owner may otherwise not catch. Yeah. So I think as, as owners, we can be biased, right. Um, as far as what we think is going on versus what the numbers maybe actually tell us, mm-hmm. um, number one. And, you know, I think having a unbiased third party, you know, separate set of eyes that can, you know, do the analysis as well. I mean, if you're coming up with the same answers all the time, then sure, maybe, you know, in the engagement, but, you know, when you're not and, and the CFO is, you know, pointing you in a different direction, right? Mm-hmm. Then you could really see the impact of the importance of working with, you know, kind of like a financial coach and, and having a co-pilot 
um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's the biggest reason. Yeah. I, I think also, and you and I have talked about this, that uh, this takes time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's either going to be a, a part-time CFO who does this for you, or it's going to be you, the business owner. And all of that time that you spend doing this work is time that you might otherwise be spending selling, networking, connecting with more clients, servicing, and, and uh, you know, conducting service delivery. Most business owners have pretty full plates. Uh, yeah. They wear all these hats. And this is one of those places that I think is easy to, to outsource and yep. easy to bring somebody aboard so that the business owner can focus on other things that they're better suited to do, even if they know this stuff that they're better mm-hmm. suited to do because, you know, the marketing, the product delivery, the service of, of the clients, things like that. Uh, that often is the thing that the business owner should really focus time and on on doing or setting direction and delegating uh, all these other tasks. But uh, yep. it's one of these things that it, it takes time and for a reasonable a reasonable fee, bring somebody in who has the expertise who can provide that other set of eyes and and give an uh, additional perspective can be really really valuable. So yeah, two two other things I would add to that. Number one. Okay is if you're going to you know take it on and do it yourself are you really carving out the time and consistently looking at it same mm-hmm. time every month right because right. from my experience um you know kind of growing up obviously through the accounting world and all that if you're a business owner and you're trying to take it on yourself you're doing your own accounting or you're doing your own CFO mm-hmm. it's the thing that tends to get pushed off and That's procrastinated right. Yep. You know, you're, you're going to do the marketing or take the sales phone call or fulfill for a client before yep. you look at your own numbers and do your own stuff. Yeah. And, and on that point, Ryan, when it comes to the financial stuff, there are the just everyday tasks and, and errands associated with it, cutting the invoices, reconciling, making sure the books are clean, things like that, that you do yourself or do with a bookkeeper. And those tasks tend to be the first thing because that's the work on your business stuff that you have to do or, or work in your business stuff, I should say, uh, that you yep. have to do. You have to check those boxes. The, the checks have to be sent. The, the uh, books have to be reconciled. It, it's the work on the business, the big picture, the strategic stuff, the analysis that often yep. gets pushed to the side, especially when your plate is full. And your point is really well taken. This is not a game where you can, ah, I'll do it once in a while. I'll do it sometimes. Uh, this is right. a, this is a, exercise that you have to consistently do if you want to see consistent results. And, and, and the other point that I would add to that as well is, you know, what is your energy level when you get done? Uh-huh. Right? Is, is this, is this really a task and, and a, you know, kind of a, I'll call it a part-time job right inside of your business that from, from when you go into it and you start till when you're done and you end and you finish, is it, a, is it, a situation where you're coming out of that with more energy or less, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of times I think, again, because it's not necessarily your best expertise, mm-hmm. it's going to be less energy. Yep. And to that point, I would then ask, what is that costing you? Right. Yep. What is that? You know, and not just in business, right. But probably at home in your personal life, 
what is that costing you when you go home at the end of the day? And, oh, I just did my financials and I'm energy drained. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. 100%. So Ryan, parting thoughts for our audience today. Yeah. Parting thoughts. Um, I think that you should really rely on some finance, get some financial professionals in your life, right? Especially if it's not your area of expertise. Um, you know, I don't know who said it, but somebody, somebody famous, right? Hire your weakness as soon as you can, right? Mm -hmm. Or hire your weakness yesterday, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for the business owners out there, right? That, that your weakness is the financials, right? Get some professionals in your life that are beyond just doing the compliance work, mm -hmm. beyond just the bookkeeper, beyond just the tax repair, right? Those, those positions, it's not that they're not, qualified to to be your advisor they are it's just a matter of are they really in the right mindset to do it do they mm -hmm. do it often for other clients mm -hmm. and are they really going to dedicate the time um to really commit to fulfilling that role for you right mm -hmm. because i know you know a lot of cpas out there that are tax repairs they're absolutely capable they're absolutely qualified and when it comes tax season you won't see them as your cfo they just right. don't, they just don't have the time to commit to it and do it. Yeah. Um, but that would be my advice is, is go, you know, bring those professionals into your life, right? Let them take some of the work off of your plate, right? That you probably don't enjoy doing anyway um, and have a better, more profitable business because of it. Find the right partners. Beautiful. Where can people find you, Ryan? Best place is just netprofitcfo.com. Yeah. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Ryan Kimler's last name, K-M-L-E-R. Um, but netprofitcfo.com is the best place. And then for all of your listeners, um, you know, I've got right on my um, home webpage, there's a calendar up in the upper right-hand corner. You can book a time with me. I'm, I give away a um, free financial assessment for any of your listeners um, on their business. Um, so if they want to take advantage of that, you can book a call with me, a profit acceleration session, and we can uh, get that done. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ryan Kimler, thank you so much. What you're talking about here is so important. So many businesses are, are trying to do this themselves and struggling uh, with doing it. When you outsource these sorts of things, you have more time to focus on sales, to focus on delighting your clients and your prospects, and you get the numbers right. So uh, check out Ryan's website, Reach out to him if you think that uh, he could be a, a value to you. And for all of you who are listening, if you like what you've heard or seen, please go to your favorite podcast provider, Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a nice review. Five stars is best. We would love it if you could do that so that other people can discover the show and uh, you share the gift with them. Go to storypowermarketing.com to get free resources, including video trainings, free eBooks. Sign up for my email newsletter or my, my email. It's not a newsletter. And, uh, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for having me today, Tom. You got it, Ryan. Thank you. for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. 
download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.